Welcome to TVT with Grace and Emma, a podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. I'm Emma. And I'm Grace. This week on the pod, we discuss the model that Gen Z is setting for climate change related activism. We discuss the new show Pen15 and their take on middle school in the 2000s. And we have a song related quiz. More singing. Yes. <laughs> It doesn't sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey. Hey, Emma. Grace. (laughs) Where are we, Emma? Oh, we are in my new apartment. Y'all, we have a new closet to record in. (laughs) We sure do. Yeah. It's so, it's, I'm, I'm beyond excited. I was at my parents' place because I don't have a bed or anything set up yet in my new spot. I haven't really moved in. I'm moving in this weekend, the weekend of our recording. It's mid-March 2019, and I woke up this morning feeling like a seven-year-old on Christmas morning, and I am just so excited. I hope that someday some of you get to come. I'm sure some of you will, considering our audience is yeah. mostly made up of our friends and loved Corey's ones. Corey's like, I have already booked my flight. <laughs> Corey, come through. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm almost done knitting a scarf. Like, things are good. Wow. Yeah. Who's the scarf for? It's for me. Yes. Millennial, I'm going to knit myself a scarf. Well, mostly because I don't want to, like, impose my first knitting, my first major knitting project on someone else. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, once I get better at it, I can start giving the knitting away. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. So Opening my Etsy shop already. <laughs> We are just really DIYing it. We are recording in walk-in closets. We are knitting scarves and putting them on Etsy. Yeah. I'm wearing some earrings that my coworker made. I Um, love those. They're so cool. They're like the thread tassel situation. And my coworker, Anna, is amazing. And she has this little side hustle. So if anyone wants some, hit me up. All right. So we're going to dive right in, and I have one more thing to say about Green Book. Yeah. (laughs) Let it out, lady. (laughs) It's the gift that keeps giving. (laughs) So, okay. So I think one of the things that was so infuriating about the Green Book Oscars win, in addition to the fact that, like, it was undeserving of Best Picture, in my humble opinion, that happens Mm -hmm. to be shared by many people that I love and care about and admire is when Peter Farrelly won. Yeah. And he literally said, Shinola is saving Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, like, couldn't even handle that. And I, like, gasped. So ex- will you explain yeah. a little bit? Yep. So Shinola is, like, literally a self-declared luxury goods manufacturer and distributor and brand. They are known for making... Things like watches, leather goods, bikes. Um, they're like the they're like a very hipster store, mm-hmm. and they are based out of Detroit, and they are part of the gentrification of Detroit. 
they are part, they are one of the businesses that has made it like trendy to be Detroit based. They're one of the first businesses to kind of like make it on the white people with money circuit that came from Detroit. And to me, just that was the epitome of sort of like the alignment of the egregiousness of the way that Green Book fails to evolve our understandings of race relations, which is like we really can't understand as white people, we're having such a hard time grappling with the nuance of race and grappling with really what racism looks like, which takes many forms, including a luxury brand based out of a city that it has historically been completely malnourished of resources and is now trying to like save the economy of this city, but is doing so at the expense of brown and black people who have been living there and suffered from the exodus of the auto industry and um, are really wrapped up in a history of a place that is now being gentrified and is taking on a new identity, but it's an identity that mainly serves white people. AKA Peter Farrelly gets up in front of a mostly white audience of a mostly white academy. With a mostly white group of people who were acknowledged for making the movie. Yep. Not not mentioning at all the like the name of the gentleman who the movie was about. Right. And uses his time to elevate a company that is behind one of the biggest uh, radical changes of a city ever at the hands of white people. Right. I actually I had no idea what Shinola was. So like when he said that, I actually I didn't understand it. Um and I haven't really heard people unpack that a little bit more in their analysis of that whole thing. And that's why I felt compelled to yeah. three episodes later <laughs> bring it back. Yeah. Anyway, so I just think, like, let's hold ourselves accountable to that. And, like, yeah. that's not to say that I have, I know I don't have the answers. And I know that, like, as a fellow white person, there are things that I'm, like, missing in all of this. But I just found it so egregious that this man got up there and shouted out a company that is like behind the gentrification um of a city that is not serving its black and brown people and i just want to take a moment to shout out a book that specifically dives into that which is this book called how to kill a city written by a a person named peter maskowitz and um i highly recommend it um they look not only at detroit but also at new orleans san francisco and new york and it's a really interesting look at the way that gentrification and capitalism contribute to um exploitation and pushing out of communities of color awesome maybe someone should send a copy to bezos (laughs) oh jeff yeah so many people parting gift from queens (laughs) (laughs) yeah and peter Farrelly. yeah god yeah Okay, so this is not millennials in the news, but this is Gen Z. Fucking Gen Z, y'all. In the news. (laughs) What did Gen Z do? They fucking walked out of school is what they did. Yeah. And you know why? Because the planet is being fucking destroyed, and they know it. Yeah. And they're calling us on our shit. Yeah. So this started with um, a young person named Greta Thunberg. She is based in Sweden. She's Swedish. 
She's also a Capricorn. Oh my god! How is that public information? I just actually looked her up and saw that her birthday (laughs) was in January. Okay. January 3rd, she shares a birthday (laughs) with my good friend Betsy. And um, she is nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because of her political activism around climate change awareness. I am so um, energized and humbled by the tools with which younger generations have been able to uh, like activate and um, execute on these really, really important organizing events. I think it's really, really powerful to have these models for younger people and for it to be um, led and um, led and grown by younger people too. Yeah. They deserve to have the power in their hands to accomplish that, but there's always my concern of making sure people understand what kind of power they can have. So it's really, really neat to see so many models of, of youth-led activism. Yeah. Is there anything you think that millennials can learn? We've talked about this question before, but I think, like, is there anything that millennials can learn from with this, especially given the fact that, like, based on the coverage that I read, it seems like the walkouts that happened on Friday the 15th were really just taking place in schools across Mm -hmm. the country. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't hear about people walking out of work. I actually didn't even know what was happening. Otherwise, I, like, probably would have, because Lord knows I did not do a lot on Friday afternoon. But, um... What can we learn as millennials from the Gen Zers who are, and even younger, like elementary school age kids, Mm -hmm. who use that as an opportunity to express their discontent and call for action? Actually figuring out how we can use our growing social and financial capital to either invest in the movement that younger people are leading, um, make sure that we're following their model and... um, organizing the people that we have in our networks to be more proactive on a policy level um, or even on a financial economic level. Um, I, I think we need to, to investigate why it's so hard for us to prioritize this, but also acknowledge the structures in our lives that make it hard to feel like that's possible because of some of our vulnerabilities. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, and I think that, like, I mean, one of the things that has been encouraging is I have seen from my own observation that the amount of coverage of climate change seems to have increased. It seems like there's daily talk about the amount of time that we, like, literally have left before the right. two degrees Celsius threshold gets gets met. Um, our One of our favorite podcasts, Still Processing, had their episode this past week on climate change where they invited a climate change expert to come talk about it and I think like I think that there's two things that I'm thinking about one is like one of the things that I learned on still processing that this person spoke about was how we sort of are are sort of like fooled into thinking that our more micro level actions are actually what's going to lead to right um change and his argument was, like, that's actually just a distraction that, like, right, your right. choice about whether or not to be vegan or right. your choice about whether or not to take an airplane on an individual level is, like, really not what's going to move the needle. But we actually need to just, like, be really direct about, like, infusing our political systems with with the action mm. to actually make significant changes. Um, and it made me think about, like, whether there's this fatigue with our mm-hmm. politics or, again, like, some of it, for me, quite frankly, is, like, I feel like I grew up in a moment where during the Bush Bush two years, 
there was a lot of political movement in my community, specifically around anti-war movements. Mm -hmm. And then we had those eight years where I, like, again, like, I really guiltily admit this, like, felt very complacent. Right. Because I very much trusted the administration in, in office. Right. Then, you know, we have our current state, but, like, I feel like the habits weren't weren't mm-hmm. really captured or weren't really built. Like, I didn't experience um, um, walking out as much as yeah. in, in my 20s as I did when I was, like, 15. Um, and I just am really hoping that we can reactivate our understanding of how to be activists. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm speaking in like generalizations. I know that there are some amazing millennials, many amazing millennials right. doing a lot, a lot of work on behalf of, um, you know, trying to move our political systems. But I'm just thinking broadly about kind of like the habits that we built as a generation that particularly the folks within 10 years above and below us really came of age during the Obama years. And and for those of us who are progressive, like, took our foot off the gas pedal. Many of us. Not all of us, but many of us. Yeah. But I'm really stoked for Gen Z. I'm really, really hoping to continue to figure out ways to, like, join the Sunrise Movement and, like, be part of political ac- action groups that are that are really working to make this a um, an increased conversation on the daily rather than when it feels like and this is in a special sense of urgency mm. and i'm gonna keep looking to gen z to yeah. help lead us yeah thanks greta congratulations yeah tiktok me when the next <laughs> one is <laughs> put it on the tiktok <laughs> yeah i just so i just moved down the street also from a high school so like maybe i'll just <laughs> hit up the high school and be like hi it's me your favorite 31 year old washed up youth Sounds like a good way to get arrested. What's the deal? (laughs) What are we into these days, kids? When's the next walkout? (laughs) You have some updates? Yeah, just some quick ones. Um, Of course, I can't remember one of them. One of them is uh, millennial debt has surpassed the $1 trillion mark. So, congrats. And, um, I don't know, you guys, like, Millennial Pink restaurants are out. Bye. <laughs> I read that today. They're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I also read an article that calls Millennials the therapy generation. Yeah. We are apparently the first generation to actually, um, according to research, normalize therapy, more, at least more so than previous generations. Um, I'm still waiting for the 10 or so therapists on my, in my network who I reached out to, to call me back. I can only assume they are completely inundated with requests. Right. Um, but. And I just finally, after a few months of like reaching out, got a call back from a therapist who I've seen today. Yay. Yeah. Congrats. But like. It was, you know, even on the call with her, she was like, yeah, a lot of people get upset because, like, we don't call back. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're out here. <laughs> We're making a whole podcast about it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Are we the therapy generation? I hope so. This article was also saying, so there was a Wall Street Journal article about it, and then there was, um, there were a few supplementary articles that I read as well. Mm-hmm. I think they were also lumping in sort of, like, self-care as oh, a phenomenon sure, sure. into it, as sort of, like, 
the normalization of it. And, um, you know, I didn't see, or at least I can't recall statistics around like actual like therapy attendance, but Mm. I think the real driver of this article was the research indicating that just the idea of seeking resources to help with mental health is much more normalized within our generation. And I'm really appreciative for like the adults who encouraged us to do that too. Like I think about, um, I guess he's a baby boomer, Dan Savage, with Mm -hmm. the It Gets Better campaign. Mm -hmm. I know Dan Savage himself is controversial and not always, like, on the right side of history, her story, their story. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. But um, he also, I think, is one of the adults that, like, really kind of put himself out there with a campaign to... um, to help young people struggling with their sexual orientation to understand, um, you know, kind of the pathway forward and how, like, adulthood can be very different than teenage dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of adults who really, I think, tried to push us toward yeah. therapy and or just, like, seeking counseling and, and helpful resources. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people that worked really hard to make that possible. Totally. And also acknowledging that there are a lot of, individuals, families, communities that still haven't had that sort of normalization. Um, So I want to acknowledge that it's not necessarily happening across the board, but I am really, I feel like it's, there's so much more visibility around mental health and also more normalization around acting on a lack of being okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to seek resources because it's not okay that I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not weakness to want to be happier or feel more stable or access support resources. Yeah, but I also wonder if, like, it's also tied to the fact that we are a more anxious generation than any of the yes. generation that's come, any generation that's come before us. And are we not, not to say that therapy is a Band-Aid, because I think it can do a lot, mm-hmm. like, much deeper work than that but if we are treating therapy on sort of like self-care culture as like our new normal are we actually getting at the root of what is causing so much anxiety that's a really good point doesn't matter if we all go to therapy if we're all still anxious about the fact that the world is gonna burn up in front of us yeah that uh, not that one necessarily leads to the other yeah but that like it's also a symptom of something else going on with our generation too right right yeah and are we gonna like have the courage or the like knowledge or the time or the capacity to address those or the will i guess yeah to address like what's at the core Ugh. yeah but i think i'm glad that we're you know able to talk about it i feel super grateful that i'm able to like talk about therapy with Mm -hmm. friends and in casual conversation, people will mention their therapist, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who help, you know, a lot, I have a lot of friends who help hold each other accountable to that, and a lot of people that see it as a resource, so hopefully, hopefully that continues. Yeah. Um, we have a real, I have a real quick update. Yeah. So I watched Pen15, the show. Emma actually did her homework, and I did, and I was that's okay. Um, and I watched it this morning when I woke up at 4.30 a.m. because I couldn't fall back asleep and I was so excited to move. And it's good. 
it hit some shit nail head. Nail hitting head. <laughs> Nails on the head. It hits some it hits shit nail head, man. <laughs> shit nail on the head. There's a couple things that I just want to mention about it. Um, I think it's a little bit of like a fine if you see it, fine if you don't kind of show. Um, it's also very like white suburbia, even though one of the main characters does identify as a woman of color. The, the general vibe and culture seems very like white suburbia-y, so like I resonated with that in a lot of ways because I went to middle school in a white suburban community. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sure that there are some people that might not relate to it in the same way. But there's a couple things that I want to name. Yeah. One, when you wore pants really long, like the flares yes. that were really long. Like how common was it to have at the the back heel part of your pants be like worn down from being dragged in the street completely destroyed yeah yeah a hundred percent or like you had to cuff it hardcore and there was still hella <laughs> material I think a lot of that too was that um like I don't recall petite sizes especially mm. in juniors or like short sizes and like these ladies the one sitting in this closet right now, specifically. Short legs. Short legs. <laughs> Don't ask me to run and keep up with you, because I can't and I won't. But also it meant that, like... Can we talk about, like, like the, the, the step counter on me and Tony's phone? It's always, it always says I walk, like, a mile more than he did. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it also meant that a lot of my pants were like the ones that fit in the waist and thigh mm-hmm. assumed that I was about 5'11". <laughs> and I wasn't. I was just like 5'3 and had a bit of a butt and a yeah. thigh situation. And I'm so sorry, Union Bay <laughs> from Mervyn's for like having a real body. So yeah, that was a thing. So anyway, so so that came through in in a couple episodes, and I was very into it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I really ha- kind of forgot about that they brought back really well was when in middle school, the moment where people crossed the threshold into starting to use curse words, mm. and you just had no con- like <laughs> free reign, no control, no boundaries around it. So like. That moment when you would swear at someone so hardcore because you didn't really understand that, like, using curse words in a precise moment for emphasis is really the way to use them Mm -hmm. and not just throwing them around. Like, I can't even quote the show because I, like, can't remember, but, like, I remember being in sixth grade and, like, this kid being like, yeah, well... Okay, this is, like, not very appropriate, but, like, he, he was like, yeah, well, Emma eats her own caca. And, like, that's such a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. It didn't offend me. Wait, like, did they say caca? He said caca. Is that the, is that the curse word? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> Emma eats her own caca. <laughs> Emma, what an insult. I know. Sick burn, You dude. got me, PJ. <laughs> that to you it's fine because it was so ridiculous i was like i'm not even sure you know what you're saying but like when you would say just like the most outlandish things and use so many curse words because you just didn't know 
that yeah. it's quality over quantity. Oh, you thought yeah, quantity yeah, yeah. ruled. Totally. So you'd be like, you, like, fucking pervert, asshole, douchebag, go back <laughs> to hell, you nerd. And it was like, you fucking nerd. And it was yeah. like, you don't need all that, girl. Yeah. Just, like, throw in one of those and you still got them. But seriously, I think that's so true. Like, figuring out the cadence of curse words. Right. And when to use them yeah. and when they have the most impact. And I just remember, and also, like, the the freedom that came in middle school with being able to say them. And for yeah. some reason, our teachers, like, either they weren't around or maybe because you're, like, in passing, going to passing periods and, like, in locker rooms suddenly you're not in, like, a self-contained fifth grade classroom anymore. But, like, yeah. we just said everything. And yeah. I don't remember, like, I don't remember a lot of adults around to corral us. But I'm also pretty sure we didn't do it in the middle of class. Well, also, I mean... Not to take this there, but the world started treating us like we were adults at that point. Like, I have a very, as far as, like, I remember being in middle school and walking around my neighborhood and feeling very, like, sexualized by Mm -hmm. men in particular. And it, and, like, I feel like the curse where it's, like, in my head I have the example of I was walking to school with my friends and this truck driver, like, honked and then was, like, you know, or something out of the car. And my friend turned around and was, like, I'm 12, you dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Where we have, really you know, bold, if the yeah. world is treating us like yeah. adults a little bit and we have this new vocabulary to, like, signal our um, understanding of where people are, like, what people are approaching us with, um, that makes for a very unique context. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still remember Julia, if you're listening, I remember it so specifically. Like, 12, you dick. <laughs> Such a good response. So good. I feel like that should be written into a TV show. Yeah. She actually works in television. Julia, she you goes, work on 1015? That'd be cool. That would be so cool. She goes by Banks now. Banks. Banks. Crushing it. Yeah, Banks. Um, okay, so I have a quiz related to Pen Fifteen. Oh, I love it. I don't. I didn't really actually like set the set the premise, but mm-hmm. Pen Fifteen is a current series on Hulu that follows two women who are actually in their thirties, um, but they play middle schoolers in the year two thousand. So the other reason why it resonates is because I was middle schoolers in two thousand. In middle school in two thousand. Right. Okay. Okay. Wow. I really, really want to watch it now. It's good. It's good. Okay, here's the quiz. Um, so they use some epic songs, uh, some of which we've potentially <gasps> talked about. Um and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read you the line of the song <gasps> and I'm not gonna sing it because we all know that. That doesn't always go the right the uh, right direction. Everyone listens to this podcast to hear that, Emma. Thank you. Well, maybe I'll sing one of them later, but I'm going to read you in a very, like, straight voice. <laughs> I love it. The words of the song, and you have to tell me the name of the song and who sings it. Okay. Okay? Great. Number one. Please tell me why the car is in the front yard and I'm sleeping with my clothes on, came in through the window last night, and you're gone, gone. Please tell me why. Cars in the front yard. Okay, full disclosure, I listen to, like, a Spotify channel. Like, my daily mix number five is, like, 
Third Eye Blind, Weezer, uh, Blink-182. Um, so this song is... It was a one-hit wonder. I also owned this CD. We've talked about this song on this podcast. Oh, oh, is it... Um, Oh, I don't know. Sister Hazel? No, close. <laughs> so it's Lit. Oh, My Own lit. Worst Enemy. Oh, I am my own worst enemy. Okay, number two. Oh, nice. Where was my head? Where was my heart? Now I cry alone in the dark. I lie awake. I drive myself crazy. Drive myself crazy. Thinking of you. Made a mistake. When I let you go, baby, I drive myself crazy. Wanting you the way that I do. Oh my gosh. It's hard, right? Yes. But you're close. Okay, help me out. It's in sync. I drive myself crazy. Right now I'm so crazy thinking of you. Right? Okay. We've already talked about the fact that I was a Backstreet Boys girl. <laughs> this obscure NSYNC song. I didn't choose No, the no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm just embarrassed that I didn't know that. Okay, number three. I'm falling even more in love with you, letting go of all I've held on to. I'm standing here until you make me move. I'm hanging by a moment here with you. Ooh, wow. Sorry, maybe this is beautiful. Oh, how did this go? Um, I'm falling even more in love with you, letting go of all I held on to. I'm standing here until you make me move. I'm hanging by a moment here with you. Who is it? Lifehouse. Hanging by a moment. Ooh, I never thought I would sing and be recorded so frequently in my life. Okay, number four. You can buy your hair if you want, if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if he says so. You can buy all the makeup that Matt can make, but if you can't look inside you, find out who I am to be in the position to make me feel so damn unpretty. Come on, girl. Come on. Well, I'm just getting so caught up in the message of these lyrics. <laughs> you know, love yourself. Damn, I'm pretty. I might just not know this song. Oh, yeah, you do. It's TLC. Um, and then there's this final moment in uh-huh. one of the episodes where one of the main characters sings this song. And I'm just going to sing it to you yeah. because I had no idea that this was a song that was a real song. Ready? Yeah. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. Then it keeps going. I think someone sang that around a campfire at some point. Right. So that song was sung to me. Okay, real talk. I sang that song with my mom and my brother and our family friends. Mm -hmm. And the mom was named Carol. And Carol was, like, legit into, like, Native, Mm -hmm. um, Indigenous people stuff, culture, etc. So I thought this was just, like, another... Because we would, like, run around... Run. We would walk around the house legit burning sage. Yeah. And singing this song. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like, oh, this is like a chant. No, no, no. This is a song that was <laughs> released in the 80s, I believe in 83, by a white women's group called Libana, which is literally made up of hippie-looking white ladies 
who look like they probably live down the street from me. Wow. In the East Bay. Carol. And I feel like that just explains so much. <laughs> it's also like, damn, girl, I am so white. And I am so white around so many people who are like, lightweight appropriative. Oh, gosh. Yeah. There we go. Well, here we go. White people discovering their whiteness. <laughs> it's a journey. Um, and Libana... Uh, they 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 call themselves a multicultural cross cultural music group, but they all oh my God. at least appear to um, be white passing oh, women. Boy. So thank you, Pen Fifteen, for making <laughs> me realize more of my white privilege at four thirty this morning. TBT. TBT. All right. All right. Do you have one? I do. Oh, go for it. Um, real quick, uh, I'm just throwing back to those stick-on earrings. Um, <gasps> I didn't. I wasn't allowed to have my ears pierced until I was 12, which I respect. Go, Corey. I get it. Um, and then slowly but surely, I kept getting more holes. Mm-hmm. I have fewer holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I just love, I was like so upset. I mean, we've talked about stickers before and my obsession with stickers. This was a sticker I could put on my person. And they, do you remember them? They came mm-hmm. in like a set of maybe 12. And there was like stars, moons, circles, square, triangle. And you could stick them on your ears and pretend like they were earrings. I love them. And you fooled everyone. And every, and they stayed on. They definitely didn't fall off immediately. <laughs> And everyone would be like, oh my gosh, you have your ears pierced. You're so cool. Yeah. No. And I had a few, like, obviously I liked some of the colors more than others, so I would, like, save the colors I really liked for an opportunity that probably never came to wear the cool colors somewhere more public. Like when you would Special go to Special occasions the- stick on earrings. <laughs> like you would, when you would go to the mall. Yeah. Or, like... I didn't go to Right. But. What was the equivalent of like the place that you would go to see and be seen? Beacon's Closet. Oh my gosh, you're so Wait, fucking cool. No, I, when I was wearing stick on earrings, I wasn't going oh. to Beacon's Closet. Oh. That came later. Yeah. Like when my when my friend Julie was like, I'm 12, you dick. <laughs> probably we were like on our way to Beacon's Closet. Beacon's Closet is like a big famous thrift store in Brooklyn. What's your TBT? Okay, my TBT is remember when there was like almost a national public health crisis because everyone was worried that kids' backpacks were too heavy. Yes! Remember when, like, parents were, like, storming (laughs) the schools being like, why do you require my children to have five binders for each day? And we didn't have lockers in my middle school, so, like, it was legit, like, an issue. And I just remember there were, like, articles that would come Mm. out like talking about how like the backpacks were gonna ruin our backs and then the rolly backpacks came out but then those were like did you have one no did you yes yep the (laughs) first one in my class to get a highlighter orange uh, rolly backpack good for you i didn't wear it very long 
I think my parents asked me, they were like, don't you think you should get a rolly backpack so that you don't have to break your back? And, and you were like, like no, no, that's social suicide. Why would I ever do that? I was like, mom, I want a jam sport, mom. <laughs> just want a jam sport. I want to write lyrics on it. Yes. Uh, in whiteout and... Uh, <laughs> And draw, like, cool band symbols. Yeah. Puffy paint. Mom, I need to puffy paint my backpack. Uh, No, I had a green jam sport from Costco. Um, But, yeah, it was, like, almost... It was, like, basically the Center for Disease Control got involved. And, like, (laughs) the Surgeon General started, like, visiting schools being, like, you can't require kids to bring books back and forth because it's going to kill their backs. Where are we at now? Were they right? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we were fine. Builds character. Yeah. So does my humpback. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, my scoliosis. <laughs> but I do just remember so vividly, like, in middle school in particular, the little boys, like, the boys who hadn't hit their growth spurts yet, and yet they were, like, walking around with these gigantic backpacks. Yeah. Oh, and also the trend the trend in the late 90s and early 2000s was to have them low, really low, low. Yeah. So the straps were all the way extended, and it was just, like, bopping around your knees, the mm-hmm. backs of your knees. Anyway. I think we man. I think we did okay, but yeah. TBT. I mean TBD. TBD, yeah. <laughs> TBD, TBD for, for this TBD. TBT. Yeah, we'll see what happens when we hit forty and fifty. We might all have acute back troubles. Yeah, I think that's probably in the cards. And then we can look back and say, well, Grace, yeah, you were we right. can say it was like the middle school backpacks. It was hunching over our laptops. Oh yeah. Everyone's going to buy that thing on Instagram that keeps being advertised to me that helps with your posture. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. you get that, too? You no. Like stick it to your back? I don't get it. Just, no, targeted ads, I think. <laughs> they know, because I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it while my back's in a C shape. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, hopefully we'll have health insurance by the time that all happens. Yeah. Hey. That'd be great. All right. All right. My car is in the front yard. And I'm sleeping with my clothes on. I came through the window last night. And you're gone. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. See you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight.